Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle and last class session we talked about Kill Bill Volume 2 and this class session we're going to pivot back to Robert Rodriguez and we're going to talk about Sin City. So this is an interesting class session. Um, I, I, I really debated with myself about kind of what direction to go with on this one. Um, I could have done a very technical podcast, which would have been fitting of a Robert Rodriguez film, and talked about his use of green screen and all the tricks that he did and those kinds of things. Um, but a lot of that's stuff that you can learn on your own through YouTube videos. And... I felt that it would be that it would behoove us more to do a class session on collaboration. This is this has been a theme that we've been starting to kind of weave in with with Rodriguez and I I think we can really do not only the theme of collaboration justice on this film, but we can do the film and all of Rodriguez's work and his thought process and everything that went into making that movie justice. Uh, by talking more about the nature of collaboration um, and how it played out in this film, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little extra motivated to try to do a good show for everyone um, because because this is this is probably my favorite Rodriguez film. I haven't really sat down and 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 analyzed it thoroughly, but not only is it probably my favorite Rodriguez film, it's it's somewhere on a list of favorite movies of mine. I I personally really enjoy this film a lot. Um I don't know what that says about me. Don't think too hard about it. Um <laughs> So the reason collaboration fits so well with this movie is you'll notice in the opening titles it says directed by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, which was something that the Directors Guild, the, the big union for directors, had a major problem with. They, they don't allow co-directing credits. Like, for example, the Coen brothers, I think it's just Joel who usually gets the credit, and Ethan gets listed as a producer, but they both direct the movie. So, yeah, the DGA has some goofy rules, and and so Robert Rodriguez left the DGA because he felt it was crucial that Frank Miller not only actually direct the film, but his name be in the credits as a as a director with Robert Rodriguez. So in in, in Robert Rodriguez interviews, uh, in a very particular in an interview entitled "Finding Redemption," Rodriguez said he'd Miller he'd already done a lot of the visual work just by drawing the books, and I was going right out of the book. For me, the job was to capture it, to photograph it, and light it, and do the effects on it. Frank was there working with the actors with me, getting the performance, which is really the only thing you have when they're on the green screen. Um, he talks a lot about this in his commentaries and in his uh, behind the scenes uh, for the film, that when you're shooting green screen, you're not worried about what the background looks like. You're not worried about what's in the shot, what's not in the shot, because there's only one thing to film, just the actor. Uh, you just focus on that foreground element. Um and, 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 and so it really becomes, production really becomes about making sure you have the right lighting on the actor and making sure you're getting the right performance out of the actor. Everything's focused on whoever's on the green screen at that moment. That's a little bit of a side tangent from, from what I want to talk to, though, where the thing is, is Robert Rodriguez knew that Frank Miller's skills as an illustrator, as, as a drawer, as a, a drawer, as an artist would apply directly to cinema. 
which is something that, for some reason, people had told Frank Miller for years that his his skills wouldn't translate. But Robert Rodriguez, being a cartoonist himself, knew exactly what the integration between between being able to draw something and being able to photograph something was. So Robert Rodriguez literally just used the graphic novels of Sin City as as his storyboards. In fact, he wouldn't even give the cast and some of the crew uh, a script because the script was just a transcribed version of, of the graphic novel that kind of gave you a sense of what it would feel like when it was cut together. But the most everybody else just got a copy of the novel, just got a copy of the book because it had all the shots in there. You know, I mean, they, they added a few shots, you know, cause, cause what they did is they put together an animatic using, using the, um, not frames. What's the comic book term? Using the images from the book. There's a word for that in comic book. I, I'm, I'm not a comic book guy. Now, oh, crap. Anyway. Um, but yeah, just using the images straight from the book, cut it together in an animatic with some voiceover so that they had a sense of, oh, okay, so we might want to add, add a shot here just to kind of help bridge these two or whatever, you know. But even then, when when Rodriguez would add a shot, he'd always go to Frank Miller first and, 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 and set it up and say, well, what do you think? And then Miller would say, I either like it or I don't or whatever. He, they worked together to make sure that they were doing Frank Miller's work justice because he's the one who basically had done, he'd done all their pre-production already years ago before he even knew it was going to be a movie. It was Frank Miller who had already done all of the camera direction had already ironed out the script, had already worked so hard on the characters, you know, had the story, had everything that it just, it didn't make any sense to not involve him, at least not to Robert, you know? And then sometimes Frank, Frank Miller would come up to Rodriguez and say, I don't know. Do you think we should change this shot? Do you think it should be this instead? And Rodriguez would say, I don't know. I think we should go with your initial instincts that are right here in the book and not overthink it too much. And his line for, for Frank Miller just became, too late, you already inked it, you know? <laughs> just, sorry, we're not changing it, you know? I want to just constantly, like, no, I think we should remain as faithful to the book as possible in, in, in as many situations as we can. But the other thing that Rodriguez had the foresight for was Frank was the writer. He knows these characters. He knows Sin City. And he knows every one of these characters way more than anyone else ever could. So he knew the actors were going to love Frank Miller because they could just pick his brain about the characters. They could say, well, what, you know, why am I doing this? What, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, what's the history behind this? Who, you know, how, how does this person relate to this other character? You know, those kinds of things. They could just totally pick his brain about all the characters. And if they weren't doing something seemed true to the character, he would always be able to clarify things for them. Because, you know, they'd only had the book for just a few weeks. He'd lived in Sin City in his head for years. You know, so he knew everything in, in far greater detail than anyone else ever could. So they, what, what they found is, is between Rodriguez and Frank Miller, they sort of organically developed stronger relationships with certain of the actors and, and, and leaned heavily in those directions when directing the actors. Obviously, Frank could direct one of Robert's actors, and Robert's could direct one. Robert could direct one of Frank's, but they sort of organically developed stronger relationships with some of the with with certain actors, and so were able to 
to sort of have just this kind of natural distribution of the workload, you know, and then obviously, obviously Rodriguez was focused heavily on, on the lighting and the, the camera work and, and, you know, the coverage and making sure that, that what was in the frame was going to be able to work well on the VFX side. But then what Frank Miller would do is when it came down to clothing or it came down to, so wardrobe, makeup, um, props, and then, yes, there is a little bit of set design and production design in this film because they did build two real sets. They built Katie's bar and they built uh, Shelley's apartment uh, for various reasons that we're not going to go into today, I don't think. So when it came down to all, to all kinds of art direction, that's where Frank Miller would step up because he knew what it was supposed to look like. He knew what it should be. And at the end of the day, Rodriguez was just really excited to work with someone who wasn't a filmmaker because he, because Frank would approach directing in a different way. He would, because, because he's coming from the outside and it's something that Rodriguez is always looking for is that kind of outside perspective. How do I, you know, how to, how to break free from tradition and dogmatic ritual and get, to get to discovering a new process, get to doing something differently, but maybe just as if not more effective. But then Rodriguez did other things to help Frank Miller learn. So like, for example, he, Frank Miller plays the priest that Marv confesses to and then kills, right? Um, because he's tied in with the thing. I'm sorry if I'm ruining the movie for you. Um, Frank Miller plays a priest in the movie, just, just in one scene across from Mickey Rourke. Rodriguez in, said, I'm putting you in this movie. You don't really have a choice about it. You're going to be in the movie. And he knew that that was going to be a, an important experience for Frank Miller because once he understood what it was like to be on the other side of the camera, that would then affect how he directed. And this is something I've heard from so many filmmakers. If you want to be a director, go be an actor for a little while. Go take some acting classes because it, it's so different on the other side of the camera. You begin to understand, oh, you know, you can't really over communicate this. The more communication there is between you and the actor, the less lost they're going to feel or, um, or, or just understanding like how lonely it is, how hard it is to hit a mark, hit, hit the light, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, just understanding that, that you're, you're, you have to be vulnerable, you know, in order to get a good performance, but you're vulnerable in front of, you know, uh, a few dozen people. And that's a small crew. You know, just that that experience of being on that side of the camera means something and and understanding what it means and and what it's like to be there. You then as the director who have to come in and help the actor because you're you're their first audience. How do you communicate what you liked, what you didn't like, um, you know, what 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 could be improved, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, they had great actors on this film. Um, I mean, if you just look through the through the uh, uh, through the credits. I mean, you've got everybody from Bruce Willis to Benicio Del Toro to Clive Owen to Mickey Rourke to Brittany Mur Murphy, um, Jessica Alba. I mean, they just have a phenomenal cast. So that, that of course, made it easier. But at the same time, um, you know, being able to direct actors well, give them playable direction, that's important. Well, there were there there were some things that 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 Frank really wanted and he was able to kind of talk Robert Rodriguez into. Like for example, there's a shot in which um Devin Aoki's character Miho slashes a guy in the throat and blood splatters on her face. 
And he said, what we, what we really should do, because they've never done it in a samurai movie before, is have that shot where blood splatters on her face, but she doesn't blink. Because Frank, Frank, Robert Rodriguez said Frank loves the character of Miho. So Frank Miller put a lot of extra time in working with Devin Aoki. Aoki? Aoki? I don't know. And, and really wanted to make her shine as much as possible. So, so he, he had this idea for this great shot. And uh, Rodriguez said, yeah, we could totally do that. So all he did was he just shot a, he just shot um, Devin with her eyes open and then shot Devin with her eyes closed and the blood splattering in her face and then just calmed them together. Um, very simple stuff. The funny thing is that when he showed it to Quentin, because um, we're going to talk about Quentin a little bit too, because I, I think it's worth discussing. When, when he told Quentin about because he showed it to him and Quentin was like, wow, she didn't blink. And he's, he's like, how did you do that? And he said, well, you know, we just did, you know, we just did two shots and come to together. And Quentin said, that's cheating. And Rodriguez basically told him, yeah, everything in filmmaking is cheating. You're cheating the light. You're cheating the sound design. It's all cheating. That's all filmmaking is. It's, it's just a big cheat, which I, I feel like that very particular um, exchange between the two men really between our, our, our two masters of this semester, really kind of sets up the their differences. Rodriguez is like, yeah, it's all fake, so why not fake it as much as you can? And Tarantino, he even admits in, because uh, he does a piece of, of the commentary track, he even admits that he comes from a much older school of filmmaking where if it's, you know, filmmaking is supposed to be hard, and if you're not hard, then you're doing it wrong. You know, and, 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 and for him... You're not really making a movie if it's not on film, you know. All, he's he's a very old school guy in some ways, and is very um, traditional in some ways. Whereas we've talked about how Rodriguez is constantly looking to break tradition, which is so funny to me because on on that level they're so fundamentally opposed, but at the same time they're they're very similar people and and, and seem to get along incredibly well. So that's kind of what they did through pre-production and production. And then when they got to post-production, Rodriguez, being his own editor for forever at this point, knew that the longer you spend in post-production, the less you can see things in front of you. And, and, and the, the harder it becomes to really, to really analyze what you have in front of you. But he knew that if he kept Frank having fresh eyes then, I mean, Frank was the only one who could really give him notes on Sin City and say, well, I don't think that's plain or I don't think that's where, I, you know, I'm not sure we're hitting the right beats here, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so he utilized him as a co-director in that sense, basically acting as the editor and then would show cuts to his director and see what his director thought. I mean, this is basically the role he assumed. But he would only show Frank new cuts like every few months to really keep Frank's eyes fresh. Uh, to the film so that he wouldn't start to lose, you know, lose the same sight in the same way that, that Rodriguez knew he was going to as he went through post. So you also notice in the credits that Quentin is spe is, is given the, the credit of special guest director. So this is an interesting story. When Rodriguez was doing the score for Kill Bill Volume 2, he was working toward doing Sin City. So he brought it up with Quentin. And then told him later, hey, you know, this is really happening. And um, and I know you haven't shot digital before. So why don't you come down to Austin, do a scene of Sin City? Because it's, 
you know, he knew he knew just doing the content of Sin City was going to be enough to entice him. But then he said, yeah, and we'll have Clive Owen and Benicio Del Toro there. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, and then that would give him a chance to see how the digital workflow worked and, and shoot with the digital cameras and, and, and just kind of let him experiment very freely. But he also knew that Quentin would, would give that scene, that very particular scene, a nice touch, a nice flair, um, which it does. Um, the, uh, the scene, if you've seen the movie, is when Clive Owen is driving the car to the pits with Benicio in the, in the passenger seat, uh, which is a very fun scene. And, and what happened is Rodriguez and Frank took a step back and just let Quentin direct. So Rodriguez, of course, acted still as the DP and, and, and the A-camera operator and, you know, was there as the editor and the visual effects supervisor. Frank acted as the writer-producer, basically. And they just let Quentin direct. They were there to support him and whatever he needed and, and help him get whatever he wanted to do done. So they really collaborated with Quentin. So there's three directors on this movie. And all of them were working in collaboration together. There, there's another interesting moment um, that Rodriguez points out in his commentary track about uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis um, famously, um, in a number of movies, uh, most notably projects involving Kevin Smith, um, has been known to be difficult to work with. And Rodriguez said... Really, the thing with Bruce is Bruce Willis is the kind of guy who, if he doesn't trust the leadership, he'll take the movie over because he's, you know, he's been doing this so long that he kind of can. Um, and that brings up an interesting point about filmmakers. Um, we have a tendency to use the term filmmate. People have a tendency to use the term filmmaker to mean director. I consider a filmmaker to be anyone who understands the medium and makes films, no matter what role that is. You know, I think there's some great editors out there that I would call filmmakers. There's great producers. There's great writers. There's great um, DPs. And there are great actors out there who I consider to be filmmakers, Bruce Willis being one of them. So... Bruce Willis is the kind of guy who, if he doesn't see things getting done, or if he doesn't see things moving in a way that he trusts, then he will he will take command of the helm. Um, but what that also means is that if he does trust you, you now have someone else to collaborate with. And not every actor feels comfortable in this position, but it's something that can happen, and I think it's something that, that we should embrace as as directors, as producers, as crew members. Um, so, for example, there's a scene between um, Bruce Willis and Jessica Alba at Katie's Bar. He he went to Robert the day after they'd shot that, and he said, can I see can I see the footage again from, from what we did, you know, and kind of see how it plays off of each other? And so Robert was like, yeah, I got it right here. So he just opens it up and, and, and shows them. I, I think he even might have had, like, a roughly edited sequence or something like that. And, and Bruce is like, hmm, you know, I think I can do better. Um, the problem was they weren't on the Katie's Bar stage that day, which is somewhere else. 
they were just on the green screen. And he said, well, well, just shoot me over here on the green screen. And, 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 and if you can play that music again, then I think I can give you something different that I think you're going to like better. And Robert's like, yeah, okay, I'll shoot you on the green screen. We can, we can comp you into Katie's bar. Cause I can go get the wall played at any time. Yeah. Okay. So that's what he does. He plays the music and plays for a couple of minutes. And then Bruce does something, something different than what he had did than what he had done before. And it worked. And that's what's in the movie. Um, see, and that's a great example of how you can collaborate with everyone. You know, if, if the actor isn't happy with their performance, then let them tell you what they think they could do better or just give them a chance to try something. That's something that Scorsese would do all the time. He'd say, just try anything. I don't care. You know, if it doesn't work, we won't use it. But if it, if it does work, then we will. And, and, and I may not think it'll work here on the set, but it might work later in post, you know, uh, something like I don't anticipate, you know, that's how a lot of great moments from Scorsese movies happen. So just, just having that open communication and that collaboration with your actors can be a very powerful thing that can really help empower them and can help you not only get better performance out of them, but make a better movie. So there's a couple other interesting things. Robert Rodriguez knew he was telling three different stories. I mean, that's that. It's an anthology movie. It's three different stories that make up kind of this 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 big experience, this 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 grand epic experience. And each one of them, if you look at the graphic novels, while they're all Sin City books, they all have different styles, visual styles. And so Rodriguez thought, well, if they've all got different styles and I'm, I'm doing it all in post anyway, what if I just hired each story out to a different effects house? So that's what he did. He hired three different effects houses. Each one got a story um, so that they would all come back with different and unique looks. And then he also realized, well, if I have three stories, if I write a main Sin City theme, then I could use that as kind of a basis as like a foundational piece and then hire three different composers and get three different sounds for each story. So again, he, even though Rodriguez has cut down a lot of jobs, um, to, to create more, more efficiency, um, in his, in his shootings, you know, in all throughout production, he at the same time was willing to to branch out and collaborate more by bringing in more people at the same time. Um, so here's the thing about collaboration. As talented as Robert Rodriguez is, technic as as technically proficient as Robert Rodriguez is, I mean, he served as the as as one of the directors, as the director of photography, as his own visual effects supervisor on an all visual effects movie. He was he his own production designer on this one? Probably. Um, served as the A camera operator, his own editor. At the same time, as 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 much of a one man band as he is and can be, he still let other people give opinions. He still let other people have a voice, because the thing is, you can't do everything on your own. And at the end of the day, filmmaking is such a monumental task. It takes a village. You need one person at the helm who has, in this case, two people at the helm who have a vision for what this can be, have a deep level of understanding of the story being told. And then from there, everybody else comes can come in around them and help them tell the story in the most effective way. 
as much as I encourage you to learn to do as many things by yourself so you aren't reliant on someone, especially for a lot of us who would like to be independent filmmakers, who would like to do things, just, just sometimes do things for fun. You know, sometimes it's necessary to have other people or sometimes it's necessary to do as many things as we possibly can so that we don't have to wait on anybody else. At the same time, don't shut all voices out because it takes it takes more than one person to really do everything as effectively as possible because there are still people out there who know more than you do. There are still people out there who have different skill sets than you. There are people out there that have different strengths than you do, just as you have different strengths than some people and they have different weaknesses than you do. But through collaboration and teamwork, we can, we can bring in people together who can, who can help kind of balance each other out and hopefully propel the, propel our projects into, into depths that would have been impossible otherwise. Because there is a difference between what Robert Rodriguez talks about in being technical and being collaborative. There's, there's, there's a difference between those two. There's a difference between being technical and, and, and choosing to be solitary. And I think the biggest thing that he talks about, because he talks about this in his commentary track on this film, he says, he says that being his own DP and being his own operator, he's, he's not only able to, he's more willing to compromise on the composition of a shot if it's just going to make everything easier. I've, I've so rarely had a DP tell my gaffer, oh yeah, I'll just move the camera so that you can, so that you can put that light where, where we really should put it. That never happens. It almost never, and the DP's like, no, this is my shot. This is my frame. You know, and, and the gaffer would never go up to the DP and say, what if you just slid the camera like six inches to the left? Like they never do that. You know, you always have to work around them. And, you know, the other thing that he talks about is how directors sometimes ask for ridiculous things, but they don't know that it's ridiculous because they don't know anything about the the jobs of the people they're, they're delegating tasks to. You know, you might ask for something having no clue that that's going to take three extra hours to set up or that it's, it's a nearly impossible task to do or you know, or how much money it's going to cost or anything like that. You, you, you know, and so understanding the jobs beneath you as a, as a filmmaker, you have the ability then to not make things more, more difficult than they have to be and to, and to save time, money and resources for the things that are much more important. And that's really, that's really the thing that Robert Rodriguez keeps getting to in these, in these things where people ask, I, I, I mean, if you just you just flip through the book of Robert Rodriguez interviews, and and constantly he's being asked, why do you do this? Why why you know why do you take on so many jobs? And he says, because it's wasteful to not to. He says this is the reason movies cost so much money, because because the the directors don't know what they're talking about in a lot of these things, and so much money gets wasted through all the delegation and all the, you know, just everything that happens. And it, it you know, it forces production to slow down. It, it just, it just makes things far more difficult than they need to be. And then again, if you work with people who know more than you do in certain things, and if you let them know, tell me that if this is too difficult, 
you know, then they might actually speak up, you know, and that's where collaboration can help a lot is, you know, cause you're not going to know everything. Like I know much more about lighting than I do about, about the camera side of things. So if I was going to be my own DP and, and so like a lot of DPs, um, end up being their own camera operator. Well, at this, at this stage in my career, I would actually rather be a DP and be my own gaffer than be my own camera operator because I can DP and gaff at the same time. And I would just hire good, good camera guys. And if my camera guys were having an issue with something then I would say, Oh, well, hold on a second here. Let me here. I'll just have my guys change this. And then, you know, and then, you know, you won't see that light or whatever, you, you know, just that ability to, to move fluidly between roles and to understand what's being asked of, of a, of a certain department can just make things a lot easier. Um, so that's all I've got for Sin City. Um, next up, we're going to talk about, I think we're going to talk about Planet Terror and then Death Proof. So we're going to talk about the two halves of Grindhouse. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to cover Grindhouse, but we'll do it in two movies. We'll talk about Planet Terror and then we'll talk about Death Proof. And, the, um, and then we're going to talk about Django Unchained, which should be a lot of fun. Um, I know that was a very popular movie, so hopefully, hopefully you all enjoy that. That keep an eye out for uh, for any additions to the uh, to my Robert Rodriguez method um, experiment on uh, on the Hitchcock University YouTube channel. Um, uh, I'm trying to keep everything updated with news and updates and things like that on uh, Facebook Hitchcock University, the Hitchcock University page, and at hitch underscore you as in university on Twitter. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, otherwise, please uh, reach out to me. Um, I have an email address, hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. I think that's it. Yeah, so if you like what you've been listening to, uh, leave us a comment, a rating, a review, a like, whatever, wherever it is you get the show, whether that's uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, what have you. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle. We will talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks so much.